everyone. It's another episode of Black Boy Joy. We've got myself here, Kieran and... Me, Ainsley. Okay, how is everyone doing? Um, today, we've got... We're turning into uh, cultural critics, aren't we, today, Ainsley? Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we've got two things we want to discuss. So the first um, is a novel, uh, A Little Life by Hanya Yanagihara from 2015. After that, we're looking at Call Me By Your Name, a popular film from 2017 by Luca Guadagnino. I think that's how you say his name anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> we've had some trouble pronouncing the name. I think Luca Guadagnino, I think that's how it, that's how it goes. So, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, um, just full disclosure, we're not doing like a, oh, you might want to check these films out. We're going to be discussing like the book and the film in detail. Yeah. So if you plan on reading or watching one, it's gonna. This is full of spoilers, essentially. So we're gonna start with a little life. Um, if you want to read that, you might want to skip forward to me talk about "Call Me by Your Name." Again, if you want to watch that, you might want to skip that as well. But yeah, it's 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 like the spoiler edition, essentially. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, if you haven't read or watched any of these films and you have any interest in doing so, this might not be the podcast episode for you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We'll see you. We'll see you next time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I recommend On the Scene, Newcastle. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that one will be for you. Yes, yes, that's a good one, actually, I like that episode. Uh, right, so, um, we'll start on The List of Life. And, so, Ainsley, you've already, you've, you, well, you've read this once already, and then this time round, it was your second time. That's correct. For, for me, it was the first time round, and I read it in just under two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so much to cover. So, I wonder if it might be a good idea to start off with just what you would, if we want to be a bit crude, what would we rate it out of 10, out for example, of 10. a novel? Or 5, or whatever scale you want um, to use. Well, it's on the first thing I say about it is my rating. I think so, yeah. Okay, all right. <laughs> just, put, just put your cast on the table. Come on, let's see. Like, <laughs> so, obviously, like, Kieran, you've, like, you've just said that it's my second reading. Mm-hmm. But my opinions on the book have changed. The second time round, after reading it the first, the first time round when I'd finished it, I was like, nine out of ten. Like, the book was in my mind for, like, weeks afterwards. I was talking nine to friends. Okay. Yeah, I talked to friends who'd read it. I'd found it, like, uh-huh. an emotional roller coaster for sure. Like, the characters would, yeah, it was, yeah, like I said, it was one of those books that I did think was really special. That, like... Yeah, was a reading experience like no other that I'd ever had before. This second time round for me, it it had not had the same. It not had had the same, uh, okay. same effect as the first. So what would you what would your rating be for the second time round? Just the rating, like start of ten. Second time, so the first time round, if it was a nine out of ten, this second time round, I'd maybe give it like a seven. It's right, weird. so mine. Yeah, I like that my perspective has changed a lot on the book this second It's time interesting out. actually. So, if I had to give it a raw rating, I'm very conflicted. So, I'll tell you my rating. I'll probably give it a. Oh, I'd give it an eight. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say the first thing I have to say about this book is the ending saved the book. So, the last hundred and so really? pages saved it. Yes, Ainsley, because, right. So, me and Ainsley, so I've been reading this up about. 10 to 14 days, me and Andy said to ourselves that we weren't going to discuss it until the podcast episode to make sure it was authentic, our description was. I didn't want any spoilers. I didn't want us to like reveal our insights to each other before. So it's the first time we're discussing it properly. And I struggled with this book from pretty much from the beginning 
I wasn't seeing where it was, where it was going. I was impatient to finish, but in a bad way. I just wanted, to, want, I wanted it to be over. I'd say, for me, it didn't start to get interesting until about 300 pages in. And yeah. when I, was, I was really getting sick of it. Up until the point where William dies. If William hadn't died, <laughs> like, that's safe enough. Well, that whole tra- the whole tragedy that follows after when him, Malcolm, and Sophia are in the car and they get the all. Yeah, like taken out by a truck. Yeah, if that hadn't happened, and like the the events after that. Yeah, then I really I, I don't know. Well, I know what I asked myself several times when I was reading it was if I wasn't reading this for the podcast, I I may have been tempted to abandon the book. That is um, wow. It was, so we sort of the good things about the book, right? So the no, hold on, hold on. First okay, okay, all, okay, like. <laughs> Because for me, I'm literally in the exact reverse. So, like, I was enjoying the book. Like, the book obviously is a lot. But I was enjoying it up until Willem dies. And I just thought... Really? Yeah. (laughs) By the time Willem had died, by the time, like, he had the car crash, Willem and Malcolm died. I'd had enough. And I just thought that, like... It was just, yeah, it was, at that point, it was too... Did you think it was a stupid plot twist, did you think? It, yeah, I did. I thought it was a bad plot twist. And I thought it was just like... I don't know, I just think, like, they put the characters, all of them, through so much at this time, that it would have been a better mm-hmm. ending had you just, like, let them live their lives normally and come up with a way to conclude it, rather than literally have a story go along and have literally a car careen into it. But do you know what, though? Saying that, I, I think it was, it did feel a bit shoehorned in that whole car crash scenario. Mm-hmm. But because the film, because the book had been, for me, f- from a plot perspective, it'd been quite lackluster. And mm-hmm. I think it needed an injection. I mean, it's pretty crude, I think, because, you know, how many, how many films and books have we seen where there's a, a sudden tragic accident? Yeah. And it felt like for such a, for such a sophisticated novel, it was a bit, hmm? I think I was just grateful for some kind of, you know, some kind of like heavy, uh, heavy turn of events, essentially. No, um, that's not me. At, that's not I, me at all. I yeah. You know, go when on, I say go. I struggled with the book, I struggled because I just so objectively, it's very well written. There's so much detail in it. I think she gives a lot of perspectives that I wouldn't necessarily have thought of about the human condition and how people think. Mm-hmm. Um, but then what I would say is the detail is what let it down for me. And that's what it made, what made it such a challenging read. I think constantly we're being given an insight into what everybody's thinking in detail and it becomes a drag after a while. Yeah. She jumps around and she jumps around in time a lot because it's, it's over the span of like the early twenties till early fifties, isn't it really? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Throughout, throughout the four friends' life. And there's a lot of chopping and changing and then referring to something that happened. Or she'll, she'll talk about someone, that something that's happening now, and then there'll be a reflection about some previous episode that happened. And then she goes off on a tangent and gives lots of detail about it. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it just feels like a creative writing exercise. And that's the <laughs> part I struggled with. There's not enough dialogue. It's, we're always being told what someone's thinking, and that doesn't shift the book along. For, for me personally, and maybe because I'm not, Maybe because I'm a bit of a simple reader and I maybe want some... Because dialogue's, dialogue, there's more action about dialogue, isn't there? But mm-hmm. there's a lot of time there isn't enough dialogue in it for me. It's just musings, musings, giving insight to what somebody's thinking over and over again. I'm just like, oh, gee, I just want something to happen, man. Mm-hmm. And that's why, that's why I struggled with it. Yeah. But then at the same time, I struggled with it, but I kept thinking I need to read on because 
it is objectively good. So like, you know, it's yeah, it's decent yeah. writing. It's just it's just very. I just thought it was very cerebral a lot of the time and a bit cold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why I struggled with it. So you like, so like, were you not like getting anything from like the relationship between the characters and like everything like that? Like, was that not moving you throughout the mo- throughout the novel? Um, if you see, I wasn't moved until after William's death. Oh. I don't. Oh, by the way, I don't, I don't know if it's William with a W handle, William with or, or William with a V. I wasn't sure, but I say William now, and that's just yeah. how yeah. it's happened. So I can't I can't break out the habit. Um. It was, as I, said, as I said, it was quite a cerebral novel, so I was kind of contemplating. It made me think and reflect. So I didn't feel any kind of emotional connection for, for much of the novel. Um, at the beginning, you know what I'm saying? It was difficult to follow. So from the start, she throws four characters at us from the beginning, mm-hmm. and they keep chopping and changing. Also, when she reveals details about them little by little, so even small things like, you know, the character's race, for example. Yeah. It took me about 50 pages to work out what colour everyone was because she was giving hints about them, yeah. not in full. Yeah, um, minor detail, but for like relationships and stuff, I've, I've got a lot to say about you know the quality of everyone's character. That that's what really bothered me. But then, what yeah. do you think about any relationships that stuck out to you before we move on to that? Well, yeah, I just like you hearing you say this now. It's just like a complete one eighty from like what I was thinking the first time that I read it because. I get though I get the I get what you're saying about like there isn't much action. Like it sounds to me that like most novels that you'd read and probably enjoy would be ones that are a bit more plot driven. So like you know that like the story's leading from one place to the next to the next to the next. And um, with Little Life it's not it's not really like that. It's kind of more of like a study of like the human condition. And with books like mm-hmm. that, things like it's not really about anything, it's about someone's life, it's not about like this event that happened to them or something that they need to achieve. It's just deeply about their lives. Mm-hmm. So I can understand from that point of view. But yeah, when I read it the first time, I'm trying, I'm really trying to remember like my first impressions of it. And it wasn't that like, it wasn't, I, I knew it was well written because I knew how, like how we, I, I was hooked with the book. But like my, yeah, like I said, just, just like reading about these four people. And like we say four people, but really it's about two of them. It's about William and Jude. Like even though it's kind of set up about these two, these four people really, yeah. I kind of like take like Malcolm and JB to a lesser extent as secondary characters. Can I can I just come in on that because one thing I was really annoyed at was so you've got the blurb at the front of the book or whatever you want to call it, and it says oh it's about four friends blah blah blah. It makes it clear that she's a central character, but then you start reading it, and at the beginning you get a bit of background on each person at the mm-hmm. beginning of the novel. Mm-hmm. We hear everyone like family background and stuff. Um, and then as you say, it's it's basically the Jude show with occasional yeah. appearances of villain. Yeah. And then we get JB, he gets to focus about coming to 300 pages in, we find out he's had a drug problem mm-hmm. and then he would get some light on him. Malcolm, he is neglected in this novel. Yeah, he is. Early, <laughs> early on, we find out that his, so basically his whole shtick is that he's an expiring architect he feels pressure from his parents to become someone, especially from his dad. He comes from money. He's overshadowed by his older sister. And then he, t- he takes a job in like a corporate ar- architecture firm. Just mm-hmm. to, you know, I think it makes a specific reference that he wanted to make. He wanted his parents to have something in, like um, something impressive to say at their dinner parties or something. Mm-hmm. Later on, we find out he's like branched off and he's gone with two friends and started a new firm. We find here he's successful. 
we hear is married, but he is such a peripheral character. Yeah. And JB is, but we we still we still see more of JB than Malcolm. But yeah. Malcolm, I think, was done he was done dirty in this novel. We barely heard about <laughs> To the point where when Malcolm died, I don't, who I'm, I'm trying to think who 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 read this book at the point that Malcolm died, who actually cared he died? And even when he died, it's overshadowed by Willem dying, who's yeah. a mm. central character. Yeah. So he really I feel like he was just there as a prop, and it was. Like, no, was yeah, no, Malcolm. I to find out about him. To be honest with you, <laughs> to be honest with you, like Malcolm's character could have been completely written out of, like written out of it, and like all the like all the bits where like because you know like Malcolm designs their homes and whatever that could have just been mm. like, like oh an architect that they knew from college, like exactly for them, and it would make no difference to the story whatsoever. Like, when he when he appeared, it didn't it didn't make it didn't mean anything. It had no impact yeah. on the story. When he mm. he'd only pop up for some, as he said. And and I I do wonder if that was kind of shoved in last minute or it can't I don't know it can't have been shoved in last minute because he's in it from the start and like there are references to him throughout the novel so I don't know yeah yeah I don't know maybe just wanted four people did you think it was a bit corny that it's four guys everyone's a different race and this is probably my most cynical take on the book is out of the four of them the stand-up guy the most the one who's seen as the, the nicest person is a handsome white dude with him. Yeah. And the one who's seen as the worst is <laughs> yeah. a black by JB. And yeah. that was not that was not missed on me. I saw that from quite early on. I was like, oh, okay. I was very yeah. skeptical of that. And also, one thing I will say. Now, when it comes to character development, I feel like there were too many extremes in this novel. So everyone in, in basically it's basically the Jew show from from pretty early on, to be honest. But yeah. everyone in his life, all his friends, the majority of them are nice people, unequivocally nice. If they've got flaws, the flaws are so minor, they're not really flaws. Mm-hmm. And then contrast to that is the people, you know, the people in his childhood, the paedophiles and the abusers, yeah. who are just yeah. unequivocally bad people. Yeah. And in the, whole no- in the whole novel, the only person that, for me, I thought was relatable, and the only person I thought was complex enough in a human way, in an everyday way, was JB. Mm-hmm. You see light and dark in Davy's character. He's confident, mm-hmm. he's outgoing. He might be brash and he says horrible things at times. Yeah. But for me, he seems like a real person. No, I agree William with that. Nor- yeah. William irritated me because he, he okay, you know that you know the like one of the pivotal scenes when they all go to JB's house because he's got he's got a drug addiction, they're trying to get him out of it. And he does that impression of Jude and, and it's yeah. like a big turning point in the novel when he, he mocks Jude's disability. In that he got he got annoyed that um JB got annoyed at Willem and he said something about, Oh, you always you want to come here being the savior and blah blah blah. And I had to I had to agree with him. That, that is the vibe that Willem gives off. It's like he's he doesn't have any I, I struggle to see any flaws done. that he had as a person. Yeah, yeah. Up until yeah. the up, the first floor I saw, the very first floor, well, it that well, sorry, it, it was shown probably early on, but then I only cottoned on quite late in the book, is that it's it accused him of cowardice because he wouldn't um, basically, he wouldn't force Jude to talk about his past, and he wouldn't force Jude to get help. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that said, always oh, being cowardly, but that's the only kind of negative thing you can say about him. Yeah, and that's what annoyed me about him. I was just like, that, that's the only bad thing you can say. I was like, yeah. let's not flesh that character. Yeah, and he has a savior complex. And yeah, he does have him a savior and, complex. I agree with that. Him and Jude were really close. Sorry, I'm going on a bit. I'll, I'll let you come in a second. Like, him and Jude were really close. <laughs> But that scene with JB, I feel like JB is made to look like the bad person a lot in the novel. And, yeah. he, and I don't think, and I think his actual flaws are, are understandable. Mm-hmm. But because everyone else is, is seen as quite saintly, it really irritated me. The, one thing, the last thing I will say is that Jude as well. So Jude is shown as being very flawed. But each, 
pretty much all the bad things that all the bad traits that Jude shows can all be pinned onto firstly his childhood and then secondly the death of William. So again, I just I feel like people there's not enough human like badness in, in these characters, and that's what irritates me. Yeah. Okay. All right, you've got into a lot there. <laughs> the so it's, been on my, it's been weighing on my mind for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing I will say is that I agree with you about Willem. When I was reading the book, I loved reading about his and Jude's relationship. But you are mm-hmm. right in the fact that, like, Jude, like Willem's character is not relatable and not realistic at all. No. And, um, and the thing about Willem is, like, he's just a bit too perfect. He's, like, a person who only exists in novels. In, like, exactly. Novels, just, like, that, type, that sort of perfect person, the one who is handsome, who is, yeah, successful, who is only devoted to you, who, like, puts, like, his wants and needs on the side to fulfil, like, another person's character and give them something to keep them going throughout the novel. And, like, the mm-hmm. first time I read it, like I didn't, I didn't really read, I didn't really register that because I was so like caught up with like reading about their relationship. This mm-hmm. second time round, I definitely did, and I just started like, thinking. I remember like there have been there was uh, people I've spoken to about this novel, and they always say that like Willem's like the heart of the novel and whatever, but he's just not. He's just like basically he's like an aspiration. I feel like it's every like every gay man's aspiration basically. <laughs> Exactly, and that's what annoyed me when they end up getting together as well. I've had no time, I had no time for their relationship. Oh no time for it. It was you have, no, you have no heart, Cuban. It didn't, there wasn't a sufficient build up to it. Well, actually, no, I'm not telling a lie because I think you see that when he's got girlfriends over the years, Jude's, Jude's like the third person in all of his relationships. Mm-hmm. It's always Jude, 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 always prioritizes him. And then he doesn't he split up with, is it Philippa? He splits up with because, well, one of the reasons being that. Jude devotes so much time, that William devotes so much time to Jude. When this guy who has been, he's been presented as straight and a womanizer, mm-hmm. well, not a womanizer, but he gets girls all the time, that he's presented as a straight man all throughout the novel. And then in his 40s, all of a sudden, oh, Jude, I'm, I'm finding myself attracted to you. And I'm just like, where was the build up to this? Because yeah. she always stressed before that it was a platonic relationship between them. Yeah. And it, there was never a hint of it being more than that. Maybe from Jude's side, we know that Jude likes Willem. Mm-hmm. We know that JB likes Willem. And maybe, and we think even Malcolm to some extent likes Willem. They all love him. Like, you know, he can do no wrong in anyone's eyes. Mm-hmm. But when they actually did get together, I mean, who would have thought that was a good idea? I mean, come on. <laughs> I don't know. And then also, it, it just comes back to Will, Willem is seen as like, you know, the perfect guy. And then JB is, we see quite a few times when he's just been horrible. Like, he, there's, yeah. there's like a few. Throw away, off, throw away like off the cuff remarks he's made like um, when they're quite young. Then he does the Jude impression, which is obviously the big turning point. Oh, before that as well, wasn't he? The, um, when William and Jude, when William and Jude were against him was when he he, he um, you know he's taking pictures of of all yeah, friends. and then he paints one of Jude. They exactly, yeah, and that yeah. was that was that was like a big bust up over that. Mm-hmm. So it, you could always feel the energy from William and Jude. They didn't like Jamie, but they, they'd always say to his face, "Oh, you know, you know, we care about you, blah blah blah." And then when he again coming back to that scene, you know, the, when he's in the flat, he's, he's got his addiction. Which for me, that was the best scene in the book. Not the best, but up there. But like when <laughs> when, when they confront him, he, there's there's a passage saying that that William and Jude exchanged a look. Yeah, that JB saw, and there's evidence of the fact that they might all be close, but those two are closer. 
any kind of goals that they're against him. Yeah. And they would always deny that. But I, I would agree with them that you, you do see that. And you see that in some French groups as well. Like, you think everyone's close, but then you know that there are two people who are closer. Yeah. And you wonder, oh, what have they been saying about me behind my back? Or what do they yeah. think about me? Or they're, yeah. just, they're saying one thing to the face and one thing when I'm not here. Yeah. So I empathise with JB. I'm not, JB is the most relatable person in that novel, I think. And Malcolm... I really want to, like I said before, I wanted to find out more about Malcolm, but he's just, he's a, we don't know much about him, do we? <laughs> so the second time round reading, because like I, obviously JB the character, that is just like, not, you are not meant to like him. Um, you're not meant to like him at all. Like the um, author, Hanya Yanakihara, the author, when she wrote it, when it was being edited, when it was like coming out, they, they clearly wanted him to not be liked. And I say that, sorry. Sorry, I just want to say that I, I 100% agree with you. And I was just going to say quickly that when I read it, I, th- I felt like she idolised Willem herself when she wrote it and she hated JB herself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as you're saying, sorry. Well, yeah. So, because like, the first time around, like, I knew I didn't like JB's character. But like, it was from like a very visceral place. Like, I didn't like him because I didn't like him. I didn't really, I didn't really question that. I didn't really see, like, um, I didn't really want to question why I didn't like him. But the second time around, honestly, the amount of times that, like, the, the, the term self-absorbed was used in that book mm. to describe JB was, like, astounding. It was, like, even, like, even in the times when it just, like, wasn't really necessary or, was, like, they were describing times when, like, mm. um, Jude was ill or something like that. Like, they still managed to, managed to, like, fix this idea of JB being this person. He was just solely selfish, solely self-absorbed, mm. couldn't see anybody else but him. He's a person who thinks that he deserves the most out of life. Everything else, like the kind of person that you don't, you, you wouldn't like them if you knew them. Can I just say I was sensing deep anti-black energy behind that? <laughs> 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 I thought it from like I was just being cynical. Obviously, I can't really, I can't prove anything for definite, but even from like from the first fifty pages, I almost texted you and just been like, "The author really doesn't like JB, does she?" Because it was obvious from the beginning. I thought, mm-hmm. um, I think even even brother Luke. Gets a fucking more objective description. That's true. About it. That's very true. Even, That's even, very, very even true. the fucking even the paedophile gets a very yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Like because I don't think she that really, before. Yeah. She, she when she discusses the paedophile and also when she discusses um Doctor Trailer. Yeah. It's just very matter of fact. Mm-hmm. When she discusses JB, she puts it back into it. She really don't like. Things, Amy, seriously, these were not things. They were not missed on me. I was reading this. I was thinking, what the fuck's going on here? Yeah. And this is why I was sort of like, thinking it's well written. But then that was like a that was like a slip up I was seeing there in like the writing style. Everyone else got, apart from all the other characters in the present day, pretty much being a bit too nice. Even like Howard and Julia, and like and obviously there's all the um, the cameo people like the Black Henry Young, Asian Henry Young, and then Feature and lots, lots of other like random names. Yeah. In the present day, the only disciple characters. Were, well, on a human level, it was JB and, um, uh, what's his name, Jackson, and obviously Caleb. Yeah, um, yeah. In fact, can we, uh, can we talk about Caleb, actually? <laughs> like, like, literally, you're going, like, you're going around so much in the book. I can <laughs> see myself. <laughs> we, should, you know, we, should, we, should, we should have had pit stops when we were reading it, because to read, like, 700 pages yeah. and not talk about a single thing in it, yeah. it's... Um, <laughs> It's difficult, isn't it? I think, okay, I think you were saying, so, so carry on, sorry. I keep no, before we get to the whole Caleb <laughs> thing, I just think that, 
I don't know, because like, you have like a lot of criticism, which, to be honest with you, a lot of the criticisms that you've levied at the book are ones that like, I actually agree with, but like, I don't, like, I didn't see them until I read them this second time around. I kind of think that like a lot of the things that you'd really take on with the book are kind of a bit lost on you. So like I'm not even gonna like it, but when I read when I read it the first time, I was like emotional reading some of the scenes. I think like quite a few people were. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I think that um towards the end, I think from William's death onwards, but before that, did did anything did anything make you emotional prior to that? Yeah. Anything that sticks out in your head. Yeah. So, what the one the biggest scene to me that makes me that makes me emotional, like water was coming to my eyes, was when like towards the end of the novel, when you know with um Jake, not JB, Jude, is having mm. an operation to get his legs amputated. Oh right. Okay. And um and he comes in and um him and William alone in like just as he's about to get the procedure done. Oh yeah, yeah. And he starts like literally like bawling like William does. But William doesn't it. William's probably yeah. crying for the first time. <laughs> yeah. And um, he's like, don't leave me. Like, and then like Judy's like, it's okay. Don't cry. I'm gonna be uh-huh. here. Yeah, I'm not gonna leave you. It'll be okay. You didn't find you didn't find I, that most. I must. I must be heartless. <laughs> <laughs> right. In fact, you know what I think. It was exasperation, I think, from me and like exhaustion. I think if I'd maybe taken it, because I, I was reading it sporadically. There were days I was only reading about 30 pages and then days I was reading loads and loads more. So yeah. maybe I needed to take a break to appreciate it a bit more. But by that point, I was done with their relationship. I was frustrated with Jude because no matter how, many, how much people tried to help him, he wouldn't help himself. Yeah, I agree with and that. I was, yeah. get, I was getting on by the focus on Jude. So by that point, my like, my levels of empathy were really running low. Um, yeah. What I did find emotional, let me think, when William like started race like uh, cutting himself on his chest to yes. prove a point to Jude, yeah. Yeah. that was an emotional scene. Um, obviously, the stuff with Caleb, how, how could that not affect you? Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else? Um, when the monks were talking to Jude, it wasn't so much. It was only like a few lines here and there. Like one of the monks was, I can't remember. There was some like very short one liner put down that the monks would say to him. Yeah. And you can tell there were things that he would internalize and that would never leave him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there must there must be some other things as well that I can't think of. Um, so, oh yeah, some. So I carry on. Yeah. Well, no, because you were just talked about that scene where we learn where we learn um, cuts himself. Yeah. And it doesn't that make me emotional. I guess I don't know. Maybe I'm like trying to live out my like, my best gay fantasy through like William and Jude. <laughs> but like the bit afterwards when he was when um, they get against like a really bad argument and they don't speak properly mm-hmm. for like a couple of days and he, and then Jude was like, "I love you, forgive me," and then they like, get back together again. Again, like the the both times I read it, I was like, "Oh, that's nice." <laughs> Thanksgiving stuff. Not fair, yeah. well, I mean, like, when, like, after that had happened. It was, yeah, there's a few days after, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah when they'd reconciliated. That's mm-hmm. kind of, like, the bits I liked reading. But I think, because for me, mm-hmm. I mean, I agree with you on the point that, like, when Willem and Jude get into a relationship, it does seem out of the blue. I think that's right. And even when I was reading it the first time around, I did think to myself that, like, one minute, like, Jude is trying to kill himself. The next minute, he's just, like, in a relationship with this guy. 
the and, saviour, yeah. Yeah. But um, I think the novel really needed that. I think it needed, yeah, it needed just some hope in it, just like something, like something positive to come out of it. It could have been done in a more organic way, but like I think the real strength, the real thing that you really leave in it is their relationship and is the strength of like two people's love for each other, which as concise as it might be, is something that like I've really taken. Yeah, really like I think that's probably part of the reason why everyone's so captivated with it. To be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's, I, I agree with what you said there, it did need some optimism, some hope in it, because I remember I, I texted you once, I didn't say exactly what was going on, but when he got into the relationship with Caleb, yeah. that was when it was went from zero to 100, and that's when I thought that was a bit unbelievable as well, I was thinking, so all this time, people have been paying attention to Jude over the years, and he's been oblivious to it because he's, he's just shut down that part of his mind, mm-hmm. and the, that that aspect of his of his feelings, he's just not looking for anyone. He doesn't want sex or anything. Mm-hmm. Then he's charmed by Caleb, who's tall, dark, and handsome. Mm-hmm. And then, what was it? The f- from the first time was when he um, he met Caleb somewhere, and he's in his wheelchair. Yeah. And the guy's just like, "Oh, what are you doing? Like, what's that there you got there?" And obviously, the red flag was there from then. Yeah. But this is this is his first attempt at a relationship, isn't it? And then Caleb is, you know. You to box him in the face. You, yeah. you know when you like pummeled him with the inch of his life, then dragged him outside naked. And yeah. He locked. He threw him outside in the rain. Yeah. I said, "Oh, beg me to come back in and apologize." I was like, "Dude, what's going on?" And then he didn't seek help. Yeah. And it just shows like, as as frustrating as Jude is, mm-hmm. he just with the level of trauma he's had in his childhood and mm-hmm. the fucked of things that happened to him. Mm-hmm. I feel like he kind of evades accountability because. It can be excused, his behaviour can be because he's just had such an awful start in life. Yeah. After that, I think you get you get fed bits of his information about his childhood little by little throughout the novel. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that, that was actually one of the things that, that made me want to keep on reading. I think obviously, I think authors are aware of that as well, that you kind of give, give information in dribs and drabs. Yeah. But when you hear about brother... So I was a bit confused because in the monastery, you see early on the monks are abusing him when they're locking you into the room. And then they kept saying, oh, stay away from Brother Luke. And I kept yeah. thinking, well, if the monks are abusing you, what can Brother Luke be doing that's even worse? But then you find that Luke grooms him yeah. by giving him gifts, being nice to him. Yeah. He then kidnaps him, shaves his hair. And not only does he sleep with him, he pimps him out yeah. over years and years, over like, like a four-year period or something like that. Yeah. yeah. It's absolutely horrific. And then also the part that really annoyed me Oh my god! Oh my goodness! Like the part <laughs> is when Brother Luke evades um, fucking justice, and he, he he's already got. I hated that. Called. Yeah. Mm. I wanted to sc- I wanted to scream. And yeah, I know I it's realistic because in because in life, good things happen to bad people. Bad things happen to good people. Yeah. And he just escaped justice. He ran in the bathroom when the police were banging on the door, and he killed himself, and he escapes justice. Yeah. And then and also Brother Luke, the worst thing he did was he gave. He gave him Jude the means of uh, cutting himself, which is mm-hmm. one of the most, which which is the, which defined his life up, up until his dying day. He cuts himself, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah. Um, it was just it was uh, for me. It was just it was like it, it, there were times in I was reading the novel. I was just like, this is just trauma porn at this point. How so, much abuse can yeah. one person recently gets? Like, yeah. So that is one of the biggest criticisms leveled at um, a little life and at the author Hania Megahara that like she'd made. 720 pages of essentially trauma porn. And I mm-hmm. agree with it, to be honest with you. 
I think that those scenes, man, like him in the in the motels and stuff, and just everything, yeah, so hard to read. Like every time it got to that, I'd have to take a break from the book because, like, I just don't want. Yeah. Them. I, that was the lowest point. No, well, I, I, I lo- sorry. Karen. So for me, that bit was the worst bit to read, but the lowest point was his relationship with Caleb, because. It was that, like, do you finally open himself up to someone? Because before yeah. his relationship with Caleb, he had to, there'd been these chapters about how lonely he was, how he wanted some companionship, things like, mm. yeah, like, um, to that. And William, William persuaded him to get out there as well, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, this said, like, this, again, I did it just like the author, and I feel like just her mind that, like, obviously, <laughs> like, it can't go well. Like, he can't, like, just get into a nice, a good relationship with someone. Mm. Like, what, like, the only, like, could you imagine the chances? The only person, That's why he got annoyed. Yeah. yeah. The only person like, come on. that you get into a relationship with after all these years of abuse, all these years of trauma, basically, every adult, apart from one in your life, has just used you and abused you. Exactly. And also, it's like, it wasn't even mundane, typical abuse. It was, like, psychopath behaviour. Mm. He's like, who kicks someone down the stairs with like for? Yeah. And it's a case of, I don't understand. Yeah. Also, like, the, I thought the level of domestic violence, like that was shown by Caleb, I thought was just ridiculous. Um, yeah. I'm sure it's happened somewhere, but it's a fact. It's a collection of all these ridiculous things happened to one person. Yeah. And also, what was the other one? Um, oh, I was going blank. There's an equivalent thing I was thinking of. So I was talking about the domestic violence that Caleb showed, and. Oh, it's gone. That's well, see, I mean, that bit was definitely 100% a dark. For me, that was the darkest bit to, to read, to read about. But, like, again, like one of the, again, like, uh, not a criticism, but, like, I don't know, like, a compliment or, like, a good thing about it. It's just that, like, reading those chapters about him and Caleb really gave me, um, like, a, a insight into how this character dude must think. Because the like the domestic violence in it was just like it just came out of no- like it kind of came out of nowhere, but it was just like because he like there were red flags in it before, and then he was talking about like all these good things about him, what he enjoyed about the relationship, and then the next the next yeah. um, the next the paragraph is like, oh yeah, the first time he hit me, you know, the first time he hit you. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it's just, it was zero to a hundred, wasn't it? Yeah, no and like, I was, I was born. I was like, what? Like the first time he hit you, like, because, like because he, she spends the writer, she spends too much time talking about everyone's fucking past and like you know what they're thinking and fucking the trees and the cars and everything. Like, no, but she and not enough time like building these things up. Like, you know, she does that on purpose because she does, she does that so it thinks that like that is just an expected part of, of like what you would expect from a relationship with a person from being mm. with someone. So that's why it's like that. And that's why I say it gives you an insight into like the way that she's crafted, the way that Jude's mind works. Mm-hmm. Because he just, I think he just expects it. And I almost think that like when he's going through all of that abuse with Caleb, and then like it's not really that bad because that's what he deserves. Because that's how he, that's the whole life he lives. It's been reinforced, isn't it? Yeah. And, yeah. He, and he feels like, you know, he starts hearing voices and he feels like he's had a period where he's tried to, like, kid himself and there's some self-deception going on where he thinks he actually does deserve better. Yeah. And, like, now he's being brought back to reality. No, you don't deserve better. You are worthless. And it's yeah. just, it was a bit yeah. much of thought. I yeah. was like, come on, give him a break. Yeah. And then he gets his legs amputated. <laughs> and yeah. the love of his life, 
one of his friends and the friend's wife die in a car crash. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost comical at that point. I was like, how yeah, sad this book is again. And then um, he killed himself eventually, doesn't he? Um, mm. The one thing I would say, the, the, the most I thought sorry for him was after William's death. Because I kept thinking, come on, let him kill himself now. Come on. He's like, no, he has nothing to live for now. Yeah. He's rich as, he's really rich. He's, he's done what he wants to do. The love of his life has come and gone. Also, I, what I liked seeing, well, I can't say I liked seeing, but what I, th- what I thought was interesting is, um, I don't even remember it, because anyway, it's um, after the car crash, he sues everyone, doesn't he? He sues the seatbelt manufacturer. Mm. Yeah. He sues the lorry driver, the lorry driver's mm. company, and there's one, he's talking to his personal lawyer, and the lawyer tells him that, you know, the driver has like a critically ill son or daughter. Yeah. And, um, you know, basically, it's going to ruin him if you sue him. And he's just like, I don't care, I'm going to sue him. Yeah. And then he's and just basically just saying, like, you know, obliterate them. That's yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like he's, I think, I think that's probably the point where he's been a victim all his life and now he wants to be the aggressor instead. But it's too yeah. little too late, isn't it? It's, yeah. um, he was just used, wasn't he? Can we also mm. talk of, also, like, <laughs> now this is probably a plot point which I really, you know, that the, the writer doesn't like JB, and that was clear to me, clear to me from the first fifty pages. Yeah. One last dig, one last knife you have to shove in, was after <laughs> William's dead. JB invites Jude around to his gallery. Yeah. To see, um, one final painting that that that, he's, that um JB's made of William. Mm-hmm. And then they're talking, and then JB goes to kiss uh kiss Jude. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and obviously Jude's like, well, "What the hell are you doing?" Yeah. And I'm thinking. It's like, she didn't need to show that happening. We already knew that he liked William. We already knew that he liked Jude. But then that one last act when, after William's dead, and then it just, it's like, it's like her, she really, before like, she finished the book, she wanted to give us one last insight into how much she fucking hates JB. And I didn't think it was needed. She yeah. really doesn't like him. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was so annoyed. Yeah. Oh. Basically, so I mean, one thing I will say that I've been disciplined. I haven't read a single review on this book. Yeah, I heard about it from you. Um, I I saw like ratings, so I could see that it had mainly four and five star reviews. It had the best part of five thousand reviews on Amazon. But I didn't read any reviews. Yeah, I wanted to be as authentic as possible with this, and I wanted to make sure that all the things I was coming up with weren't influenced by anyone else. Yeah. So once we finished, I'm going to go and look to see what other people thought because. When you see something's been heavily reviewed and like critically lauded as well, yeah, I expect I expected to like it, and I think I can say it was a worthwhile read at the end of the process. But I didn't enjoy reading it, yeah, for all the reasons that I've said already. Um, yeah, I think it's, in, it's an interesting book, but for me, it was too cerebral, and there are parts that are emotional. Yeah, but in general, for me, the heart the heart is missing throughout this novel. It's probably because I'm quite a sentimental person. I like sentimental like literature. Not, it doesn't have to be over the top or anything. But for me, this was too much. It's well, too much life, head and not a little part life, of this novel. A little life is sentimental. No, only in places I thought. And and as as I've said, like for me, the the bulk of it is after William dies. Obviously, obviously, we get periods, bits of it beforehand. But between all the between the instances of sentimentality, it's just massive swathes of just cerebral writing and just discussing you know what people are thinking. Also, she she is or, the amount of like um subtle flex that she does in the, in the novel as well. She's talking about, um, you tell she knows all about botany, about law, legal terms, about medicine. And a lot of times they were veering off into tangents. Yeah. And there were some times when there wasn't much happening plot-wise, 
when it's just like the Jude show and it's just Jude and his supporting cast of upper middle class people to stuff like boring shit. Yeah. And there were, the times <laughs> I re- there were the times that I really, really struggled to get through it. But I was like, I'm going to press on. I'm glad I finished it, but I can't say I'd read it again. It's strange. I, I can't remember the last time I read a novel that I didn't enjoy reading, but I still rate it as a novel. Yeah. It's strange. That, that was my biggest takeaway from it. So there are two things that I want to say. First of all, is that like when I finished it the first time around, I had a completely different different opinion of it to you. I the only opinion that I shared is that I wouldn't want to read it again, and the only reason why I did is so we could do this podcast. But after yeah, and yeah. after William died, is when the book died for me. When the book died for me, <laughs> were you done at that point? I was done. I was <laughs> done because I knew. I love- as soon as William died, I knew they were basically just like giving us up for Jude for Jude killing himself. Everyone dies on it. <laughs> Fucking Harold, Harold's talking at the end and he's yeah. saying that ev- everyone, like, a few years after Jude died, Andy died, the doctor, um, Richard died. Yeah. Obviously, Malcolm and Sophie were already dead. Yeah. Everyone got it. And yeah. Harold, Harold and, and Jude outlived everyone. Wasn't yeah. interesting. Um, my favourite character in the whole thing was Harold. Again, you can make the argument that, like, that he was, I don't know, maybe not the most well-rounded character, but he had such unconditional love for Jude. Mm. And it really brought my heart just to read the scene between Harold and Jude in particular, because you could tell that Harold was the type of person who just really, just really loved him, really wanted the best mm. for him, wanted to like give him the affection that he knew he needed, and Jude was just not having it. One of my favourite yeah. scenes in A Little Life is when, you know, after Jude burns himself and yeah. um, he goes to Andy's, uh, Andy's practice and he um, yeah. says to him that, like, he's, like, really angry. He says to him that, like, you're in a relationship now and mm. you're being selfish. And I, and I was, mm. like, basically, that, like, it's not just you in this or other people who are affected by your actions and stuff. And like, I really like that scene because if I was... Oh, that's mm. what I want to say to Jude, basically. <laughs> that was a word. Listen, 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 when I read that, that was a word, you know. That was the part <laughs> I said, oh, finally someone, finally someone's batted him up. Because all, <laughs> this, it all, is for all the years, right, one thing that really annoyed me was that I understand, like, you know, they're quite, they're all quite well-to-do people and they're men from, and they've all got pride and whatnot and, and there's a sense of autonomy. Everyone's high, like, high-powered careers. Yeah. But I kept thinking, even with all that, are you telling me none of you are going to step in? and save this guy from himself. Yeah. Every time they want to bring up a subject of either his abuse from when he was a child, either his self-cutting or something else that needs to be addressed, he would shut it down and they'd, they'd poke a little bit, but then they'd always drop it. Mm. And that happened over and over again. I'm thinking, I, I don't know about you, but I know plenty of people who, no matter how foolish I was going on, they would tell me, they're like, no, you've been an idiot, you need help. It's not yeah, an option. I, this is what I want to do for you. Yeah. He was surrounded by enablers. I, I thought, feel like we've been growing up in a Caribbean household, Kieran, so... We know that foolishness, exactly. Like. <laughs> <laughs> we know, yeah. Now, when they're going on that way, that someone they're going to check off. <laughs> I think, like, there's, there's a line, and I think with him, I don't know how bad things have to... I'm trying to think, at what point did he actually open up? It, was it when... Um, it was after... It was when William started cutting himself. It took William cutting himself, and William literally getting physical with him. Yeah, that's what made him open up because he only started taking clothes mm. off to see where, where the cuts and where the, and where the razors were. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking this could have been done 10, 15, 20 years ago. And yeah. it's easy to say that, but it's, I think it's just because they live a different life to us. 
Yeah. Well, I'm thinking no matter how foolish someone's going on, there's there's gonna be someone there to check them. And, and remember, they didn't have that there. He didn't yeah, have that. One of, one of the things that like is really important to note about this book, that even though it's set in New York, mm. their world mirrors our own. It is not real life. It is it is not indicative of a real life experience. And mm. like and that all these people, four friends, all of them are wildly successful. Go to that. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah. Go to that, yeah. And just so, yeah, I think even so, I've read an an interview with Hanya Yanagihara before, and she even mentioned that, like, it's not real life, it's like stylized life. So everyone, if it's. Oh, yeah, because it all. Yeah. Everyone goes to top colleges, they're all successful. Mm. I think William Convini doesn't have any parents. Jude Convini doesn't have any parents for them to get in the way of any kind of plot twist. Yeah. Malcolm, the one who does, the, Malcolm, the one who comes from money and has a family, we don't see enough of him yeah. for that to be, for that, all that stuff to get in the way. And mm-hmm. then lastly, there's JB, who again, we don't see enough of him for like his, his extra baggage to get in the way. It was, it was too much of an ideal thing. And also everyone's, everyone's a di- of a different race. We don't find out what the race Jude um, is doing. No. I've got the feeling he's like, like he's a bit darker than white. Yeah, like, no. But the thing is, like, he's obviously, he's obviously light, but we don't know what race he is. Yeah. Like, from the way they described him, you'd think he was just a white man. Because, like, um, I remember reading, like, the, um, when he got hit and the way his, um, his bruising went, it's mm. people of a fair complexion. So, people who are basically white, who would go that I way. I would olive skinned or something. Yeah. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. 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 Anyway, so one of the things that I, d- I really want to talk to you about. One of the reasons mm-hmm. why I especially want to talk about it on this podcast is because um, I've seen I've seen it in a few places, and I read an article um, in the Atlantic calling "A Little Life" the great gay novel. And I really wanted mm. to get your thoughts on like what you think about that. I don't. For me, it's not it's not a gay novel to me, though. You know. Yeah. It has gay characters in it. Like, so obviously the main gay story is between Willem and Jude. That's not... Obviously, yeah. William... Yeah. But William's bi. But William, well, William's bi, to be fair. And he's, he's lived for, like, well, visibly as a straight man up until his 40s. Jude, yeah. and they make, they make a point of saying in the novel, well, William says to Jude at one point, you know, are you gay? Or is it just the fact that because you've always been forced to sleep with men, um, yeah. uh, just that's what you did because that's what you knew? Yeah. Um, and it doesn't really... For me, it doesn't really examine the dynamics of gay love per se, it's just more the dynamics of like uh, platonic and familial love. That's, yeah. It focuses more on that for me. Right? And then that, that kind of morphs into romantic love. But I think the fact that they're both men, for me, isn't actually central to the dynamics between them. I don't think. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so no, I don't really see it as a gay novel as such. What would you class it as to be fair? I don't even know. Like, it's, it's, I think that it's more about it's more about childhood abuse and trauma. That's that's the main focus of the novel for me, and how how you overcome that, so, or how you don't overcome it. Sorry, like, yeah. <laughs> 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 so for me, I would say, yeah, I agree with you that like it's been called the great gay novel, and I'm paraphrasing the Atlantic article here, but basically yeah. it's saying that like the trauma and everything else is indicative of kind of like of like experiences that like gay men have when they're growing up and sense of rejection and whatever, I personally thought was very tenuous. And I cannot see it. Like when I saw it being like the great gay novel, I was just like, yeah, it's it, it, a reach. I find it, yeah, it's a reach. And I find That's it really, really off putting. 
So for or me, linking like paedophilia and child abuse to do, do you mean that link there or not necessarily? So, well, none of the characters are gay apart from one of them. Let's just start there. So, like, Jude isn't mm. gay, isn't like, isn't, doesn't define himself as gay, neither does Willem, yeah. neither does Malcolm. The only gay character is JB. And look mm. at the way JB, look at the way JB is treated, look at the way JB is treated on the, is a man, is a, in the group. Yeah. And also by the author, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind so, of, he's like, it's, it's kind of depicted as being a bit of a messy queen, isn't he? I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was I was very bothered by how he's depicted in that novel. Like, yeah, I think we don't see we don't see enough of him, mm-hmm. but maybe that's a good thing because of the parts we do see of him, like he's flawed. In I think if everyone else, if if the writer showed us more of other people's flaws, as in like genuine flaws, not things they can attribute to how they've been treated in the past, mm-hmm. then I would I would I would think it was fair how he was depicted. But because everyone else is kind of given quite a. They, they're treated with kid gloves by the author and like yeah. how we see that they're from a moral perspective. Yeah. It makes the way he's portrayed to be very heavy-handed and it doesn't re- it does not sit well with me, I don't think. Like, Interestingly, like literally as we were speak as we were speaking and as this kind of idea of like a great gay novel was like I've I've heard it before we talking about it. I said before that like Willem is like basically like the ideal gay man, so to speak. So like he's tall, strong, strong, handsome, strong. Like he's white, for instance. He mm. has very European features. Scandinavian, isn't he? Yeah, Scandinavian, it's... and like he's wow. Yeah, he's been <laughs> he's been in relationship with women. So he and and he is basically like put on a pedestal as like the like, the very yes. best. In fact, even yes, in, even in it, like I think I think at the top, yeah, like, yes, best <laughs> And conversely. The almost the exact opposite, who actually is gay, a person mm. of colour, is just that, uh, yeah, he's just the villain, basically the villain of, villain of the whole thing. But basically, yeah. And he tries it on with everyone. I think you've, you've touched on more than women that I, that I was kind of aware of, but I hadn't really gone into, but it's the fact he's big, strong, Scandinavian, he's seen as perfect, he's, he's frigging, he's heterosexual adjacent, to be fair, for most of the book. Yeah. He's an actor. Also, can we just notice, a very quick aside, the fact that he came out as an actor and his career didn't suffer. I found that very unrealistic. Yeah. <laughs> Surely in this day and age, like, it's un- I can't think of, are there any top five actors that are out and out gay and, like, leading Hollywood men, apart from Ian McKellen, who's old? No, um... Can we think Evans, of any? Kevin's is gay. Yeah, um, but he... Yeah, but he's, he's not, like, an A-lister, though, is he? he I, I, I'd, I'd call him an A-lister. No? Is Luke Evans... Oh, I don't know, you know, because I'm sure him. He kind, he kind of came out back in the day, and then kind of went back in the closet, and then came out again. He didn't. He didn't. Oh, so mad. So I've read, I've read something like he said. It's basically he's just he, he's treated it as like, I'm coming out now, so you can't use this against mm-hmm. me later, basically. But he hasn't been the person to like. He's not like being an advocate. He's not like no, here's the gay rights yeah. or anything like that. He's just a gay man, and he's an open gay, an open gay man. But he's not like he's not flying the flag for us, basically. I guess. Well, Williams like that, isn't he? I think there's that one. There's a passage where he's talking to not his agent but somebody else, and they're basically saying to him that they kind of saw him as like being a bit of a traitor or self-loathing because he wouldn't advocate stuff. He wouldn't make um, appearances at different shows and give speeches yeah, towards. Because he's not, like, he's not gay. Because he's not doing that. Because he's not gay. Well, exactly, and this is why I still. 
if a man ain't gay, why is he with a man? That's, that's, I, that's, I didn't understand the relationship. I was like, you can't fall in love with your friend. But I, think, I thought it would have made more sense for them to stay. I would, it would have made more sense for them to be platonic. And I don't, I'm still not, I'm still not convinced with their relationship, like going from being close, close friends, having a very special bond to being, oh, I'm attracted to you, I want to have sex with you. It doesn't make sense to me. So but maybe I only see more of life first. Who knows? So the second time around when I read it, because the first time around, I was definitely where you were. But this time around, because I knew what was going to happen, I think I paid more attention to, like, mm. an unusual amount of, like, devotion that Willem and dudes have to for each other, even from the start. So maybe that's mm-hmm. why, maybe that's why, like, so it, it's, like, it's still surprising when they, when they become a couple, but it's, like, the signs were there before, but they were more subtle, the kind of way. Like, why mm-hmm. Willem is talking to Jude every day, why he's always, always on his side, no matter what happens, how... He's invited to all events, isn't he, with the girlfriends and stuff. Yeah. And why, basically, as you mentioned before, why he's always a third person, all of Willem's relationships. So there there are hints there, but they are very subtle. And I think I only noticed them because I knew what I was going to... I knew what it was leading to the second I guess. When I've read this book, because it is so detailed, and I think one thing I haven't highlighted, I have given criticism of the writer, but I think the intricacy of way that how she switched between different points in time, I think is very good, because you do see links when something is mentioned in passing, and then 200, 200 pages later, it becomes relevant. Yeah. I can't yeah, think of examples off the top of my head, but there yeah. was a lot of that, so I'll, I'll give her props to that. Yeah. But with this book, I went up, and because I, when I noticed things like that, I kept thinking, oh, on the second time round, this would be more revealing. However, this is not the kind of book I want to read a second time around, which is a shame. Yeah. No, this is this is why this is why I'm conflicted with the book, where I think it is objectively very well written in some aspects, but then for the aspects that make me fall in love with the novel, that's lacking for me. Yeah. So I wouldn't read it a second time. I did not. I I let me tell you, Kim. I did not want to read it again. But like I said, it was not because of the reason that you didn't want to read it again. It's because like it just like. Every time I was on page 100, and all I was thinking of is that, like, the, all these characters are dead, basically, like, um, all these characters. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, I just, I actually think that, like, the book would have been better, or at least better written if the characters, I said it before, if they just lived their lives out, lived their lives as a normal person would have done. But because it was exactly. so, so crushing, like, it was just so, so crushing. By the time it happened, I was just done. Like it was like a slog to get through, like trudging to get through. It was definitely a slog. But I think if it was a slog to get through and then nothing happened, maybe I don't know, because I think we're coming from different perspectives because I was saying nothing was happening. And I'm not obsessed with plot. Like, I think I've read you know, because literature in general isn't plot driven, like good literature. Yeah. But usually if it's not very plot driven, then there's enough insight to keep you going. But the problem I had with this is that I feel the, the novel feels uned, under-edited. I don't, it doesn't need I to be guess, as long yeah, as it I is with, with all that music. That. And it's just, and that's why I struggled with it. One thing I would say, probably one last point I want to make, that a bit of foreshadowing I saw, which I thought was important, was, you know, Anna, the, um, the therapist that Jude saw when yeah, he was out yeah. of Traitor's, Traitor's yeah. Grasp, because I think, I think it's made, the point's made where she spoke to him like as a human, as an equal, the first person before Willem. And, the one thing she said which stuck with me is that 
when he was talking about his trauma and she, he kept, he, she kept trying to get him to speak about what happened in the past because she only knew part of it. And she kept saying to him, if you do not speak about this now, you will never speak about it again. Yeah. It will become harder to do so. Yeah. And that's what happened basically for the rest of the novel. Yeah, yeah. And it just, I don't know, it's just tragic. <laughs> it is. No, it is. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about actually um, was race in the novel, especially in, in the context of this great gay novel I'm using in inverted commas because I just it's not a great gay novel for me anyway. No. I think it's study in human in, in male intimacy, I think it's great in that respect. Mm. But the point yeah. I, I wanted to make is because like kind of I think the way that she almost wanted it is kind of like being like devoid of sexuality, devoid of race as well. And devoid of like basically every every identifying and identifying thing that we usually use for a person is just like I think he specifically tries to get rid of. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe I'm not explaining it well. But what I think because like JB's black, so is Malcolm. Yeah. But like there is not like he's mixed race, isn't he? No. Yeah, he's mixed race, but there's not he's, he's black from American perspective, yeah. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But like he's not there's nothing intrinsically to say to to identify their race or different to anybody else in the novel. Um there's a few crude things in there, like you know, well in the beginning she's talking about JD having a product where he's wrapping like Afro American hair around yeah, yeah, and stuff. Or, and then he makes a few jokes about Malcolm um, being Malcolm, a coconut, like, an Oreo. Yeah, yeah. Um, she throws in a bit of that early in the novel, but apart from that, there's not, there's not there, really there's much. Nothing, she says, yeah, she says it's Haitian, I guess. Yeah. Malcolm's Malcolm's dad is black, and you meant I think is he from like, is it Grenada or Guyana? It's on the Caribbean island, isn't it? Yeah, I believe Malcolm's I dad is mentioned. Yeah. But apart from that, him being black isn't particularly important. Apart from when she's given a background on on the dad. Yeah, um, but like no, people are different. People are different races because she said they're different races. But there's no experience there. There's not. There's nothing like. I mean, me being a black gay man, for instance, I just feel like I'm just a complete world away. And I know that all our experiences are different. I know that as well. Mm-hmm. Like, if JB is a black queer man, I kind of thought that some of it would inform like any of the writing at all, and it just didn't. At the same time, though, I'm not sure. I think she kind of relies on some. I don't want to say stereo, or well, they can't kind of stereotype that he's loud, that he's confident, that he speaks freely. I think those you can maybe associate with like a bold black man who's early, early 20s. I think it's a very loose stereotype to have. But maybe she probably doesn't feel like it's her place to delve into that too much. Also, I think if we saw more of JB, I would expect that, but we don't really see enough of him for it. Yeah. We see like a few like, and she kind of, I don't think it's clumsy the way she mentions, she mentions race a few times regarding JB. But it's kind of shoehorned in, but it's not. It's not really offensive. Like you know, like I said a minute ago, when she talks about him calling um, Malcolm Oreo, there's a there's a discussion they have about being post black as well. And some art, he did some art product, didn't he? Where he said he yeah. wasn't to, to white people for like an, ex- an extended period of time. Yeah. But just like silly things like that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Um, like it, that, that just yeah. seems to me that someone who is a writer who doesn't really take on any of the experience that like black people. Or any other person of any of any other um, experience taken, but it's like something that you'd read about. You'd oh, that also put it in. I should have started. There's definitely a passage where she's talking about the black identity involving self-victimization. In when she's discussing JB, it's quite early in the novel. Yeah, but I remember seeing it, 
and and at that I was by that by the time I'd read that I was already thinking she don't like black people does she like this <laughs> and then <laughs> and that happened as well I was like okay I was like she's really pushing it and she but um it doesn't really bother me too much um but yeah I feel like I could talk forever on a little life but even another thing we need to discuss is call me by call me by your name all oh, right yeah let's let's yeah. let's get this out of the way then. I don't. Right. I, I don't have much to say about it. To be honest with you, I don't have much to say either. I think it was um, style over substance. It's very, <laughs> it's very heavy on aesthetics. Um, let me look at my notes because I made notes when I was when I was when I was writing. Yeah, that was. I said the speech. A lot of the script was cheesy. I said it read like a teenage, it's like um, like teenage fan fiction that you read after seeing a film or a novel or something. Yeah. Um, also, I think the cultural. References were quite contrived. From the one of the first few scenes is, um, you know, the dad. He's talking to the guy who's come over, Oliver, right, the yeah. scholar. And they're talking about etymology, the the arcing of the root of the word apricot, and it's just so like forced. And there's another scene where Oliver was talking to the guy at the piano. Yeah. Um, oh, what's his name? Timothy Chalamet. What's his name in the film? Elio. Elio. Yeah. And they're talking about composers, but it's just like. It's like the most surface level discussion on like art and that people have in it. And it's just it always feels so contrived to guys like <laughs> Having said that, I enjoy I enjoyed watching it, but I wouldn't watch it again. What what did you think? Like, um so I didn't so I was expecting to not like calling by your name at all. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, I just wasn't. But I didn't hate it. I actually thought it was a, it, it was I think it was a good movie. I just don't think it was like as moving or as like as profound as maybe other people found it. Interestingly enough, um, mm-hmm. you said that it was like teenage fan fiction, and I was thinking when I was yeah. reading it that like this, like this film is like every twink's fantasy, basically. <laughs> like, well, it is. It's like I'm saying to you, I, I really wasn't expecting to like it at all. I didn't really know what it was about either. But you see this relationship between them, but there's not really much meaningful conversation they have it seems to all be based around infatuation yeah and like it's like an extension of pillow talk all the little ten scenes have i think the sex scenes are quite sexy they were done well i thought but without the sex scenes what would this film actually be also um it's probably mentioned by someone else but in the film um elio is supposed to be 17 yeah i don't know how old the scholars oliver the scholar i don't know how old he is supposed to be but he looks about 30 yeah. And is no one, is there not a safeguarding issue here? Does it not feel exploitative? And yeah, I mean, it is. Yeah. But like his parents know about it and they're, they're completely fine with it. But it's, cre- it's creepy as fuck. I think it just enforces like the whole the gay stereotype of like hankering after like, you know, barely legal men. Yeah. Um, and also they have, they share like a very like timid first kiss. When they're on the lawn uh, in, in like the countryside somewhere, yeah. And then Oliver basically saying, Oliver basically says, you know, I can't do this. It's not right. Um, blah blah blah. We can't. We can't do this again. They don't have much contact. And then fast forward, they're having sex the next time they get together properly. And there was just no development between those two stages. It just seemed very. It was about lust. And then, but then the people who've done the film have tried to make it look more meaningful, and more deep than it actually is. Because it's, yeah. it's a rather superficial movie, I thought. Yeah. Um, I've seen. If you want to look at this category of. Um, I don't know, like young white gay men, like coming of age, like not um, film. Yeah, I've seen everything. Um, there's a film called Mario. It's a it's a it's a Swiss film, so it's it's set in German speaking Switzerland, and it's about two football players who are both gay and fall in love. I thought it was a great film. Mm-hmm. Um, 
what else is there? There's Handsome Devil. That's that's sort of Netflix. That's set in the UK boarding school. Again, it's like a sort of gay romance friendship movie. Again, I thought that was much better than this film. And there's one called Boys. I think it's Dutch, um, but the the, um, the English title is called Boys. And then again, another coming of age one. They're all in the same kind of bracket as Call Me by Your Name. Yeah. And I thought they were just much better. They don't they don't still have half the recognition that um, Call Me by Your Name does. Yeah. And I just don't. I think I feel like this appeals because it's. It's very aesthetically pleasing, and obviously the that's yeah, a good looking. It? Yeah, but it's but there's it's rather hollow, I thought, and mm. it's really contrived as well, like all the um the art artistic references and stuff, and it, you know those kind of the, the ideal scenes of the Italian countryside and the village and blah blah blah, and I felt like it was aimed at people who don't really watch world cinema. Yeah, and I felt like and I felt like it was made by people who only watch world cinema. Because they because they want to be seen to be like cultured, it just it really was hard for me. Oh. I mean, I enjoyed watching it, but yeah, I wasn't a fan. But it was it was watchable enough. It was now stylist, stylistically, it was a good movie. Like I like I, said, I didn't hate when I watched it. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it either, but I didn't hate it. I wouldn't call it a great film. But yeah, mm. to be honest, it had a lot of. No, go on. I would say it had a lot of, um, you know, the, the classical music in it. It had one of my favourite pieces by Ravel, um, the composer. Mm-hmm. Um, kept playing all throughout it. And I was yeah. like, oh, I like this. But then I don't want to be swayed by a film for the music unless it's actually like an original score. I think it's a Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a bit cheating in my opinion to like, or to use like established like... Yeah, no, I see what you mean. To be honest, like, <laughs> I haven't got much to say about calling by your name. It's not much. I think I don't think it's particularly remarkable. To be fair, um, yeah, I, think I would expect it as what well, people talk about it as if it's on like the level of Moonlight. They were kind of they were because I think did they come out in the same year? I think both those films did or they very similar. Done, they might have done. I yet. think Moonlight was I think Moonlight was twenty sixteen. Called My Name was twenty seventeen. But they they came out quite close in time. But we could argue like you um, could like the accusation could be levelled against us that like Moonlight is more personal to us it's more personal to me anyway but i think objectively there's more depth to moonlight call me by your name is is it's not call me by your name is about a summer fling moonlight is a life story of one man and how he deals with internalized homophobia how he deals with you know homophobia from his relatives emotional abuse from his mum. it's just yeah. there's just more depth to um, like it can't Money, be argued. there's just more depth to moonlight to be honest, like, call it by your name. It's basically, like, there's a gay guy out there that has the same story as Elio, who, like, he met some guy. He, like, had, like, two weeks where, like, oh, he really liked him. They were, like, having sex, and then he got married to a woman. Like, that's probably indicative of a lot of people's stories. Yeah. And as I said to you, um, just before we started recording, the last scene is um, Elio sitting, sitting in front of... Um, the fire... He's sitting in front of a campfire. You can't see the fire, but you can see the reflection in his eyes. And he starts crying. He's crying for ages. And so it's really deep and emotional. The end credits come on. I was thinking, this, was this made by some film students or something? It's just so, <laughs> so contrived. I don't want to be miserable. I don't like to be those people. I don't, I don't dislike stuff for the sake of disliking it, but I was unimpressed. And I can't yeah. hide that. For all the criticisms I have of A Little Life, I still rate it highly. But with Call By Your Name, I, I can't say the same. I, yeah. yeah. Next time, at, well, we want we, we wanted to try a film that we wouldn't necessarily go out of the way to watch, which is what we've done. And I think that's good to do that. Yeah. But next time, yeah. we'll uh, we'll uh, spice up a little bit. I think. You know, I think we should get. <laughs> yeah, we should do something by. You should do something different, man. 
we'll we'll uh, we'll think we'll, we'll come around to. Okay, so as we do in pretty much every every podcast, I have my spotlight, and most fittingly, the spotlight I have to um, to give is a book. The book's called Rainbow Milk by Paul Mendes. It's a new book. It's um it's one that's come out this year. Um, it's basically queer fiction. It's um well, it's semi semi autobiographical, but it's about like a black queer man. It's been it's been praised quite a lot. I haven't read it myself yet. Um, a lot of the organisations that we follow or have been associated with have also like um like featured the book quite quite heavily. So I think it's definitely one that we should pick up. We should probably try to read ourselves. That's um, Rainbow Milk by Paul Mendes. Rainbow Milk by Paul Mendes. Okay, I'll yeah. look out for that. Yeah. Pardon? So I'll look out for it. Yeah, no, sure, yeah. So maybe that can be like one of the next books that we try to read. I'm not sure if we'll be able to go into it in depth if we have with a little lie. We'd have to do, we'd have to do a non-spoiler um, review, I think, if it's a new book as well. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. But it's, yeah, it's a book that I, I think will speak more to our experiences as like, black queer men mm-hmm. than A Little Life would have done. And certainly, I Call Me By Your Name will do. <laughs> I cannot relate to Call Me By Your Name in, in any way, I don't think, apart from being obsessed with someone. And that's a pretty broad uh, experience. Yeah, yeah. Like, so, no, but that's it. Well, apart from that... Okay. Um, so yeah, we are Black Boy Joy. Um, you can follow us on Instagram. We are um, um, at Black Boy Joy Podcast. Um, you can follow us on Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts. If you are an Apple Podcast and you listen to us and you like what you hear, please leave a review for us. It'd be very much appreciated. We're on Google uh, Podcasts as well. On our Instagram, there's a link that you can find that has that basically have all the platforms that we're on. Um, please like, comment, subscribe. Please engage with us as much as you can. We like getting comments, um, we like getting DMs. Yeah, as I understand, the book, both the book and the film that we've done today, are quite popular. So I'd expect to hear some feedback on what people think, especially on the Definitely. book. Yeah. If they if they wildly disagree with anything we've said, if they agree, if they've got more insights to provide, I'd, I'd be more than happy to hear. One hundred. There's so much to discuss. Oh my god! Right. It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Like whatever. I think whatever you think of the book, whether you liked it or dislike it, it leaves an impression. For sure, it leaves mm. an impression. It isn't just one that you put down again and just forget about. So yeah. So if you have anything you want to say about either our opinion, please let us know. Um, you can also email us at uh, blackboyjoypodcast@gmail.com. Any questions, comments, theories. Anything you want to say, you want to drag either of us, me or Kieran, and, and, and gladly accept that. <laughs> well, there we are. I think that's it for another week then. Uh, thanks very much, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thank you Have very much. Time.